Welcome to a new episode of the Pylon Podcast. I'm Kent Lee Elliott. Uh, today, I finally got a guest I've been waiting <laughs> to have on this show for a minute. We've talked about this for, for a couple of years now. Will Weddington, um, he does our college football articles and everything every week. Lots of good insight. You're basically like a walking everything for <laughs> college football, man, and I love it. So I'm glad yeah. to have you on here. I'm very happy to be here. It's been a, it's yeah. been a long time coming. <laughs> it really has. It really has. Um. So we're looking at everything kind of going on in college football right now. It's been a it's been a hell of a year, a hell of a last couple of weeks. So um I guess the big thing, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, that whole yeah. situation. Um, just like what are some of the things I guess you're looking at in this? How's it gonna play out for the rest of the season? Um, just everything with it. Well, he's been suspended the last three regular season games. Mm-hmm. Um, and they waited to do that until he was literally on the plane to college college station this past weekend obviously he didn't coach when they played penn state uh offensive coordinator Sean mower uh took the reins led the team to a win and all of that uh i believe this week by at least friday um michigan's looking for a uh a restraining order against mm-hmm. that decision so he, he could coach the last two seasons or last two games mm-hmm. and i think that by Friday. So it's it'll be interesting to see. Um I bet they get it granted because they're going to go grab a Michigan judge, Michigan court judge who's probably a U of M alum um mm-hmm. to do it, but even if Jim Harbaugh isn't coaching, I think Michigan is just fine. They showed that this past Saturday against Penn State, they won 25 to 15. The score mm-hmm. makes it seem like the game was closer than it actually was. Mm-hmm. But Michigan State, Michigan, not Michigan State, Michigan literally ran the ball over Penn State the entire second half. They they only attempted one pass in the second half. And Blake Corm had, was it, 145 yards That's on crazy. 26 carries, not even counting Donovan Edwards, who finally got another touchdown <laughs> after a little bit. Um, they... I'd like to think that they were just, like, showing, like, oh, we can beat you by running the ball. But I also think they were showing college football, not just Penn State, but college football, like, see, you know what play we're going to run. Yeah. We're going to run the ball. Yeah. But you still can't stop us. Therefore, mm-hmm. knowing signs isn't a big thing, which uh, I it is a big thing, but innocent till proven guilty, which apparently they're proven guilty with all this evidence and stuff like that. But Michigan is definitely – an interesting team to watch because I feel like they have been the most dominant college football team all season. They have not had a tough game. Penn state was a little tougher in the beginning, but they just, I I just, they, you got the feeling watching that game and seeing Michigan play. They were the dominant team the entire time. It wasn't like when Ohio state and Penn state played where it took a little bit like mm-hmm. Ohio state's a, a terrible first half football team. Look at yeah. when they played Rutgers and stuff like Michigan state, they played Michigan state this past week and Michigan state's an awful football team, but Rutgers, it took, they were losing nine, nine to seven in that game. And then it took a pick six, a 90 was a 96 yard pick six, 93 yard pick six from Jordan Hancock, like, or uh, he caused it. Um, so Michigan is, I definitely think the, more electric teams, the most sound team in the Big mm-hmm. Ten, but it's 
it's all been overshadowed by Jim Harbaugh and the Steinstein, Connor Stallions and all of that. It's it's so funny to me because living here in Columbus, it kind of feels almost like this whole Harbaugh thing has kind of been blown way out of proportion. Yeah. And it's like when you look at college football and just the history of it all together, I mean, there's been a lot of scandals and so many things that go, oh. have gone on. And it's like, oh, it's yeah. not a clean, it's not, it's like not, it never has been like a clean sport. No in any form or fashion so the fact that people are so outraged about this i'm just like okay you're really just mad because it's michigan if this was anybody else they would not care like this could have been northwestern and nobody would have cared yeah it's i honestly wouldn't be shocked if more college football teams did this they're just were better about hiding like connor stallions was paying people to go to games and all of this and he was buying tickets using his own Venmo account and like all like he just left the trail so obvious it was him like yeah. I, I I don't want to like accuse anyone but like I wouldn't be shocked if like Ohio State or Florida like all these bigger schools not now but in the past have done something like this like oh yeah paying paying players has became a big thing with NIL recently mm-hmm. but like in the 80s the biggest example is SMU paying players Eric Dickerson showing up to campus with his gold Trans Am like all this stuff and it was so bad they shut the program. They they killed SMU's football team for like five years, and they're just now finally recovering and stuff like that. And they're joining the Big Twelve and all of that. But it's it's one of those where it's just like, oh look what they're doing. Not like yeah. not look at what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, it just it just seemed really messy. And I just thought to myself, I was like, you look at even what was going on at Ohio State a few years ago with like Zach Smith and. Oh, so yeah. it's just like there's always gonna be something so the fact that it's like oh well hardball and it's just like no i i don't really i'm not really interested in hearing it quite honestly yeah, yeah. the big thing for me um the other thing over the weekend jimbo fisher he's out yeah. of texas a&m now and you you probably know about this a little bit better than i do as i heard you you know talking about it at work yesterday but as far as like you know the buyout works and everything um kind of talk a little bit about that uh, so Jimbo Fisher, coach of uh, Texas A&M, was finally fired. He was there for five full seasons plus the 10 games he's coached this year. Uh, the ironic thing, sad thing, is that they won this past weekend. They beat Mississippi State 51-10. to 10. It was probably their biggest win of the season. But it's just he was fired because they were – the team never took that next step. Mm-hmm. They were always stuck in meh territory. They had the number one recruiting class a what a year and a half ago, two years ago. Uh, they had a really good season in 2020, the COVID season. They went nine and one and finished ranked number five, and just nothing ever came. Granted, the COVID season was weird. You had Indiana was ranked in the top ten, but Texas A&M has these high expectations. They fired their former head coach Kevin Sumlin for pretty much doing the same thing Jimbo Fisher did. Was Kevin Sumlin who he Jimbo Fisher replaced won 51 games and lost 26 games in his time there was ranked as high as I think it was like number four or five. That's in uh, 2012 when Johnny Manziel was there and Jimbo Fisher in his time there was 45 and 25. So he was just like six wins off and one loss away from uh, Kevin Sumlin's record. So it was just like mediocrity. Texas A&M was finally like, all right, we've had enough of the mediocrity. We'll pay your buyout, which he's getting paid. I think it was $75 million, which is the rest of his contract because he signed a, uh, two years ago, he signed a 10 year extension to 2030. So he's, he's getting the rest of his 
75 million dollars because it was all guaranteed which is absolutely insane to think about it was the biggest buyout in college football history so it was i think it was only a matter of time i figured they would have waited till the end of next year so the buyout would have been a little bit lower but a&m's boosters got deep pockets man yeah so yeah like you know what i I don't care if we're i think they're six and four right now they're like i don't care we're getting we're getting rid of this guy but i just have to wonder though because like I was even reading an article on CNN this morning and I think it was the athletic director said they're stuck in neutral, kind of like you were saying. Yeah. And I was reading the list of um, candidates for the job that you had written down on the the notes and stuff. And I was like, Urban Meyer was an interesting one to me. And I think you had a couple of other ones on there too, but I'm like, yeah, do you th- like, who do you think is really going to like, like get them over that hump? Like, do you have to be a coach like Urban Meyer who, you know, you have a lot of respect from everybody. Like who, like it's an Elko, like who's it going to be? It's, AM's a weird job because Michigan State isn't a job that's also open. And I granted they're having some problems up there. Um, I feel like Michigan State is a more enticing job than AM because AM you got boosters breathing down your neck. It's kind of like the USC job. Why would you want the USC job? The right. brand isn't what it once was. And Texas AM isn't the team it used to be since it moved to the SEC. Like, eh. But Urban Meyer was a name I have seen thrown around for the job. Like he gets thrown around for literally every single job, college, big name, college football job. Like he's thrown around for the Michigan state. Uh, Elko who's Duke's head coach is also thrown around for all these big name jobs, just because what he's done with a historically bad college football team, which is Duke. Like they had a couple good years, uh, in the 2010s, uh, when David Cutliffe was the head coach, I think they had a couple 10-win seasons. But besides that, they've been awful. And he's built them into a very good football school. Lance Leipold, who's Kansas's head coach, is another guy that gets thrown around for literally every college football job you could think of just because of what he's done with Kansas. Kansas has been historically horrible. Mm-hmm. Besides their three good seasons in 2006, 2007, and 2008. Uh, and he... Got has had them ranked the past two seasons, uh, and seven and three, their best record since 2008. So, those are like the three that jumped out to me. Obviously, you could go a coordinator or someone else. I saw someone, some list, one of the betting favorites was Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I was like, <laughs> why would you want he, he failed at his alma mater at Texas Tech and then he was very meh in college in not college in the NFL with the Cardinals. But I think it's because he was the offensive coordinator at AM when Kevin Sublin was the head coach. But that's like, I feel like that's trying to, you're going back to what you're trying to get away from. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, Oh, let's hire Cliff Kingsbury. He's got a really good offense and stuff like that. But that's why you hired Jimbo Fisher. And that's why you hired Kevin Sumlin. Because Kevin Sumlin was hired because his Houston teams were really, really good. Those, those, those are the teams with like Case Keenum in uh, 2009. Like though that the that was the era of scoring, putting up 50 points a game and all of that. Um, and hiring Cliff Kingsbury screams to me of when USC was trying to hire Pete Carroll's proteges after he left in the the late 2000. Like going after uh, uh, Lane Kiffin or. Um, Clay Helton and stuff like that. Like Steve Sarkeesian, who's now at Texas, but when Steve Sarkeesian was hired, it was like, these were all like protégés of 
Pete Carroll when he was head coach. It just seems like they got to go like reach for the stars, like go for Urban Meyer, go for, don't go for a Cliff Kingsbury. That is a terrible hire. Like yeah. he has shown absolutely nothing in college. The guy had Baker Mayfield and uh, Patrick Mahomes as his quarterbacks at Texas Tech and did absolutely nothing with them. I think Wild. the best he he had an eight and five season was his best season, and they lost their bowl game. That's why they went eight and five. Yeah, so. that's crazy. Because I was I was looking at that list and I was just like, Urban Meyer seems like he has a lot more of separation from everybody else that's on this list. So, like you said, shoot yeah. for the stars, I guess, with it. Yeah, yeah, and they have they have the money to throw around, so. Mm-hmm. And Urban Meyer, I think, would be fine. I don't know if you'd want to go back to the SEC since leaving Florida. Uh, and the SEC is getting a lot more crowded since Oklahoma and Texas are joining next season. And then Texas and the Texas Tech rivalry will hopefully renew. That's a really great college football rivalry. Um, he could end up going to Michigan State. He knows that area. He was with Ohio State for however long. It was at eight seasons, nine seasons. Um in Michigan State is can become a solid program. We've seen it before with Mike D'Antoni. So, like, D'Antonio. So, it's like, pick your poison, I guess, yeah. where he wants yeah. to go. Yeah, That's kind of what I was wondering. I was like, I wonder between Michigan State and A&M, which one would be better suited for him. And I think like, – Yeah. I think – I honestly – Texas, Texas A&M, I honestly would be the easiest – because they've had the number one recruiting class. They've had a top five recruiting class like the last three years because NIL can get you wonderful things. So it's just – it's whether or not he wants to play the SEC again with a more crowded SEC. But also the Big Ten's getting crowded. Yeah. You got USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington all joining next season too. So it's like yeah, college football's changing. So. It is. It is. Which that's actually a good segue because the next thing I was going to ask you about was like the Pac-12 going out with a bang this year. Um, yeah, pretty much like you had sent me a list of every school who's ranked and everything going on this year. Um, who's who's been who's been your favorite to watch? Who thinks the best team in the Pac-12? Best team I think in the Pac-12 is not the undefeated team Washington. It's Oregon. I think Oregon yeah. is playing really, really, really good football. Post their loss to Washington, which was a very close loss, because mm-hmm. um, they just beat USC, handing USC. I think it's their third straight loss. USC is kind of in a free fall right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like twelve and six in Lincoln in the last however many games that is uh, since starting eleven and one. Um, Dang. Yeah. USC is not very good right now, but it's 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 a two horse race between Washington and Oregon, and it's looking like both teams are going to meet in the pack uh, the Pac twelve championship game, but they both don't have an easy pathway to get there. Um, I believe it's, and we'll talk about it in the weekend games coming up. But uh, Washington plays Oregon State mm-hmm. this weekend. Uh, at the time of this recording, Washington's number five, Oregon State's number 12. That'll change when the updated college football playoff rankings come out. Uh, but Oregon State was in the top 10 in the AP poll. So it's a top, it's going to be a, probably a top 10 matchup. Um, and uh, Oregon State is a very, very, very good football team. They have a DJ Ungulele, uh, the Clemson transfers their quarterback, and he's proven that his time in Clemson and being ran out of town for not being good isn't his problem because Clemson's having a world with their own problems. But the Pac-12, we've talked about this at work, I believe is the best conference in college football, which is sad because it's their last season. 
Like, yeah. you have Washington, who's ranked, obviously. Utah, who's ranked. Utah just lost this past weekend to Washington. Uh, Oregon uh, is ranked. Um, USC was ranked, but uh, there's a trend with Pac-12 teams. There's a, there was a lot of was ranked. Oregon State's ranked. Uh, Arizona is ranked, and they have their having their best season since 2017. Uh, Colorado was ranked, um, but since being ranked, they've gone one and six in their past seven games, and they're they're not looking like they're gonna become bowl eligible. So they were the darling at the beginning of the season, but even then, I was a little iffy on them because their first three games were against a TCU team that lost everyone. Um, they played a Nebraska team in its first year head coach, and then they had to go to overtime against Colorado state. So like they did have a couple of good comebacks against like USC and stuff like that, but USC's defense was just historically bad and USC ended up firing their head coach. So the PAC 12 is a, an awesome conference. Um, I don't know if I had any of the, Oh, uh, Utah and Arizona also play this weekend too. So that should be a really good game of seven and three teams. And I think Arizona is probably the best. I say that. And then, We'll talk about SEC teams later with LSU, but Arizona is a very good 73 team. All three of their losses have been uh, by one score and then three points. So, yeah, one score. And two of them have been in – one was in overtime to Washington. They took Washington to overtime, and then they lost a double overtime to USC, and they only lost because they went for two in in the second (laughs) overtime, which if you're – the underdog team going for two in double overtime on your last possession. I have no fault. You're going for the win. That's what you want to see. That's what you want to see. You want to see him go for the dagger as the underdog. Don't, don't keep the game going. Just if you can end it there, end it there. But obviously they didn't end it there. I think what's super interesting about Oregon actually. So I think we've had the discussion before about the most complete teams in college football. And we've said, you know, Michigan, we think is the most complete team. But Oregon, I think defensively against USC, they actually looked really good. And that was the Mm -hmm. thing I thought was kind of like the deciding factor more so in that game. Because I think when you're looking at USC, the knock on them has just been their defense more than anything. I mean, the offense is completely fine. Like, they'll put up points and everything. But Oregon's defense was, like, really getting back to the Caleb Williams. So, honestly, I would really love to see Oregon in the CFP. Like, I know Florida State's been a great story and everything this year. But, like, I just don't between Florida State and Oregon, I'd much rather see Oregon play like Ohio State first or, you know, play Michigan first, depending on how that whole game shakes yeah. out between those two. But I just I, – I love Washington right now. I love Bo Nix. I know he's like 75 years old, but, hey, <laughs> I mean, he's doing his thing. I, and I don't yeah. hold the whole age thing against quarterbacks because last year everybody, oh, Stetson Bennett's been here for – I'm like, bro, if you're able to be out there and play, yeah, it's in place. It's, it's, it's fair game for everybody. It's just – Luck of the draw, I guess, and I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. I I think Oregon gets mm-hmm. the best of Washington if they were to meet in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. Uh, and I think that would put Oregon in the college football playoff. Like, let's say Georgia wins out. Well, they'll probably play Alabama. Uh, Georgia wins out or Alabama you would get a one loss SEC champion depending mm-hmm. on if Al- Georgia wins or Alabama wins uh put Michigan in there as well and then an undefeated Florida State and then a one loss um 
Pac-12 team or a yeah. one-loss Big 12 team being Texas. Um, I could I could see Oregon getting that spot. Yeah. But then if you say Alabama, this could be an entire different show and discussion. Say Alabama wins the SEC in their what is that 12 and 1, 11 12 and 1 and then you have a 12 and 1 Texas team. Yeah. Who who do you put in over them? Because then that Texas team would have also beaten Oklahoma mm-hmm. avenging their one loss in the Red River. But the Texas team beat Alabama. Yeah. So I don't envy the the college football playoff committee's job because it's just like it's parody and it's obviously you want strength of schedule and all of this stuff, but this is yeah. And I'm gonna love this next year when these conversations like expand when the playoff yeah, goes oh, yeah. too, because it's just like so many people think they're gonna end, but when you're looking at it, like no, there's gonna be an argue for you know 12, 13. I mean, it's just it's never gonna end. But I think this yeah. year with it the number of teams that can like potentially make a push like for, for a while going back a few weeks ago, it was almost like, it felt like anybody could almost be in that, in that top four. Anybody was in the top 10, really. It still kind of does. It still kind of does. Yeah. Like this would be a great season to have the 12 team playoff. Yeah. Because there really isn't much separation between the number one team and Mm -hmm. like number eight. So it's, it's weird. Like Ohio state, obviously you have the, the, was it the five, four unbeatens? And then there's a couple other unbeaten teams not ranked and stuff like that. But, like, Ohio State's not a, a first-half team. Uh, and their offense kind of relies on Marvin Harrison Jr. and Travion Henderson, who just came back from being injured. Uh, Georgia finally is getting their feet under them. They just clobbered Old Miss. Uh, Michigan is Michigan, and they have all this – controversy surrounding them and whether or not that affects them on the field and then florida state's kind of just chugging along they're like hey guys we're here too and then washington as well trying to be like well we're beating all of these ranked pac-12 teams Mm -hmm. why can't that be good wins for us and move us above a florida state who's yeah they've beaten lsu week one but since then they've beaten a very meh clemson team and stuff like that so I would love it if it was a thing of where Oregon did get that four, like they did get in like fourth somehow. And Mm -hmm. I I would just love to see a big 10 versus PAC 12 matchup for this year, because I like previews everything for next year. And it's just so funny because like you said, Ohio state, they're not really a first half team. So it's almost like if you come out and you're playing a team like Oregon and they're just punching you right in the mouth from, from the very beginning of the game, how do you respond to that? Because it's so funny when you're reading everything about, you know, Michael Penix or Bo Nix, these guys, they're putting up like five, 600 yards a game. But yeah. like big team, it's like, oh, well, like they put up 200 passing yards, like whatever. So it's just like, how do you, how do you respond to that? You know, how do you really change your game plan? How's your game going to look next year? So that's why I'm really praying that like a Washington or more so Oregon gets in there and they play like Michigan mm-hmm. or Ohio State first. Yeah. So, um, Another conference, SEC, we kind of touched on Jimbo Fisher a little bit, but LSU, uh, Jaden yeah. Daniels, his Heisman campaign, is it, yeah. is, it still, is it still a real thing? I think he, uh, with this past weekend, he shot himself up into the top two or three. I still mm-hmm. think it's a, I think it's Michael Penix and Bo Nix, mm-hmm. and then and throw Marvin Harrison Jr. in there too, because the last couple of weeks he's been having an outstanding season. But then Jaden Daniels, 
like his stats, I have it written here, 372 passing yards and three touchdowns. And then he also, also had 12 carries for 300 or 234 rushing yards and two, D, two TDs in his win over Florida. That's insane. Yeah. He was the leading rusher on their team and obviously passer because he's the quarterback. But he is just – he's having an incredible season. He's probably – probably he is the SEC's best uh, quarterback. Like, yeah. Without a doubt. I, I've written in some of my articles about how I really like Jackson Dart, uh, but he had a dud of a game against Georgia this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jaden Daniels' Heisman campaign is a – 100% real if he keeps putting up numbers like this um I don't know I, I'd have to look and see who they have left on their schedule and stuff like that but I think, I think he they played A&M the last week uh, so that's a win yeah um so I would chalk that up he's at least getting invited to mm-hmm. New York or yeah. wherever they're holding the Heisman cer- ceremony I think it's him Bo Nix Michael Penix and Marvin Harrison Jr. I that's think those so are the I think that's I think that's the group. And then um probably a running back for like Blake Corum. Eh, Blake Corum hasn't had a oh, it's crazy good season. The I his name is escaping me. Oklahoma State's running back. Uh, oh, uh I'm drawing a blank on his name. I know you're talking know. about good. I don't know how I, he did this past weekend because they Oklahoma State got bumped by UCF. Yeah. yeah. Uh that's my so part <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how good he or how well he did this this past weekend, but mm-hmm. he since becoming the full time starter, I think it was like the first two games for Oklahoma State. He only had like ten carries or something like that, and since then he's just been on a roll. So yeah, those yeah, Jaden Daniels is the real deal. Yeah, which no, is he nuts doesn't. because he he was the starting quarterback at Arizona State, and he transferred out of there, and all those Arizona State guys were like, "Oh, see ya. We don't need you. You're a bum." and Dude's turned it around. Better be careful. Yeah. Better be careful. Uh, games this weekend, you had written a couple down. I'm excited for this Maryland and Michigan game just because yeah. it feels like Maryland's been like the fourth best team this year in the Big Ten. Uh, I still obviously think Michigan's going to win, but I think that's going to be a fun one to watch because I was talking to Jay a couple weeks ago and we were just kind of talking about this triangle in the Big Ten where like Ohio State struggles with Maryland, but Penn State blows Maryland out. Michigan, mm. it's like it's just so weird in the Big Ten. So that's going to be a game yep. I think that's going to tell us a lot for Michigan when they play Ohio State. Yeah, uh, Maryland is a weird team. They always do really, really well in the month of September, and then once September's over, they just completely fall apart. Uh, they were five and zero going into their matchup against Ohio State, and they have lost five straight games. They lost five straight games, so they were five and five. And then they just won this past weekend. So now they're six and five. Uh, I do think Michigan's going to win. I think they're going to blow them out. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say Maryland's a bad team. They have Talia Tungavailoa as the quarterback, and he's a very, he'll probably make an NFL roster next season and stuff like that. But it's just the question is, does Jim Harbaugh coach? Yeah. Do they get that restraining order uh, put on so he can go and coach on the sidelines and stuff like that? Um, I think he does. I think he will coach. Um, this will probably get dated very quickly if he, they are like, no, he can't do it and stuff like that. But I think he will. Um, some of the other games I had written down for games to watch this week. Uh, number 18 at the time of this recording, Utah versus number 21, Arizona. 
uh, Utah's had a very solid season given the circumstances they've had. Utah's had a ton of injuries on offense and defense. Uh, their starting quarterback, Cam Rising, who for the past couple seasons destroyed his knee last year. And every first couple weeks of the season, they're like, oh, Cam's coming back. He's just taking time. Uh, we're shut down for the season and stuff like that. And Arizona is having a great season. So seven and three, best record they've had in a while uh, since Rich Rodriguez was their head coach. So that should tell you how long it's been. And Rich Rodriguez won coach of the year that or uh, Pac-12 coach of the year that year. Uh, Georgia, Tennessee, I just had this written down because it's another ranked matchup for Georgia to pad their strength of schedule. Uh, Tennessee just got thumped by Missouri, yeah. uh, a team that Georgia had a little trouble with but pulled away in the second half with two weeks ago. Um, so that's a game to keep your eye on. Uh, I love a good group of five schools, so I put UNLV versus Air Force. Both teams are eight and two and uh, are fighting for a, a spot in the uh, Mountain West Championship game. This is UNLV's best season in like a decade or something like that. And then Air Force is also doing very, very well for a triple op. One of the few triple ops in schools still out there. Um, New Mexico State versus Auburn. Uh, New Mexico State is a weird team to put on here, but but they're eight and three and Auburn is six and four. And I had this written down. I just wanted to touch on it. They're eight and three. New Mexico State is it's their best record since 1965 where they went eight and two and won the Sun Bowl. Uh, They have back-to-back winning seasons for the first time in forever. They went in seven and six last season and they've clinched a a spot in the conference, uh, conference USA uh, championship game in their first season in the conference. They were an independent last year and they're playing Liberty. who was 10 and 0. They're one of the few 10 and 0 teams that aren't ranked and they're playing Liberty in the conference championship game, and they already have played in the season, and Liberty won that game 33-17. to But New Mexico State is playing really, really, really good football this year, and they're uh, they're going to be playing Liberty, who's coached by Hugh Freeze, and uh, – no, no. Liberty, who is being coached by Jamie Chadwell, but their previous head coach is Hugh Freeze, and they're playing Auburn right this coming weekend, and their current head coach is Hugh Freeze. So it's just like they have the chance to do the funniest thing ever and hand Hugh Freeze a loss. Anyway, and then I also have Kansas State, Kansas, both at the time of this recording, teams are ranked. Um, I could see Kansas dropping to like 25 or something like that Mm -hmm. or 24. Um, Both teams are 7-3. It's a rivalry game. Uh, Big implications for the Big 12 and stuff like that. I really like Kansas in that game, but their backup, their starting quarterback, Jack, Bean was hurt in that game uh, last week against Texas Tech, so we'll see. And then the big game of the week, which is Washington and Oregon State. Um, should be a very, very, very good game. Washington has been kind of playing teams close since their Oregon game, so um, I think that game could honestly go either way. I think yeah. Oregon State has a very, very solid shot of knocking them off. Yeah, because I feel like if Oregon State gets that win, that kind of puts to bed the whole conversation between Washington and Oregon that we've yeah kind of but you know been... but but say Washington loses to Oregon State, they still go to the Pac-12 championship game and then they beat Oregon. Yeah, like they lost to a ranked team, but they still beat this other really good yeah. Pac-12 team. But that's just the problem with the Pac-12 is they always cannibalize themselves right before when it matters most like which is which is good i mean considering this is this is the last hoorah i mean yeah 
Not with but the it's bang. just like your last two raw, and you want your team to go to the playoff, and then yeah. you're like your team, one of your teams to go to the playoff, and they're just knocking each other out. It's just it cracks me up every time. And then oh, I wanted to bring this up as a another coach, head coach to watch, Oregon State's head coach Jonathan Smith. Mm-hmm. He's been getting a lot of buzz on potential big name jobs like Michigan State and then A and M and stuff like that. Uh, but he just signed a contract extension, and also he played football at Oregon State. So it's whether or not he wants to leave his alma mater. Yeah. So that that is something to a, a name and school to keep an eye on. Lots and of- the same with Can- Kansas too, Lance Leipold. He uh, he's sixty years old now, so it's whether or not he wants to leave Kansas for a a high profile job. Kansas is not a high profile uh high profile football job, basketball obviously, but football job they're very meh. So he might mm-hmm. want to stick the there and build it up whatever he can. So yeah, lots of good storylines for this weekend. It should be fun. Oh yeah. So yeah, and we'll have lots of. Stuff to talk about, I'm sure, next week when we hop on here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, next week will be fun. Uh, where can people find you on social media and find your articles and everything? Uh, I'm on Blaze Review. Just look for college football games to watch this week. Uh, you can look back at my past articles and see how badly I got some of my predictions. Ah, uh, there's the some best pre- of us. There's some pretty bad ones. Uh, on Twitter, I'm Will, W-I-L underscore Weddington. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, everybody check it out, and we'll see you next time on the Pylon Podcast.